3: who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
6: And we appreciate you streaming in on a uh, kind of transitional Tuesday. A little bit of a different week, Thanksgiving week here on Birds 365. You got your Mega Mac guys, Jody McDonald and John McMullen back. We thank Barrett Brooks for filling the void yesterday. And when you put Barrett in, that's a big guy you got filling the void. Uh, But it is never easy when we're without uh, John McMullen. Who tells me he's a little worse for the wear for going to Indy there, bud? Yeah, man. You don't want to
7: go on those uh, little tubes. A uh, lot of germs there. So, knocked out a little bit with the with a cold, but I'll get through it, Johnny. Yeah, Hopefully with your
6: help. You're a tough guy sucking it up. We appreciate it greatly. Good to get you back in. Uh, and, yes, you were out in Indianapolis for the come-from-behind Eagles victory, which... I wasn't sure they were getting until uh, Jalen Hurts did skip to my Lou into the end zone, but a win is a win is a win at the end of the day. You got to have your nose down at the wire and the Eagles did just that getting it in the 60th minute. So it was a good win for me, but it was a uh, tough to analyze Win, and we missed you yesterday. Um, there were big stretches that game where you wondered what the hell the Eagles were doing and thought they were going to lose. They didn't. And that's the bottom line, but, Um, afterwards, uh, a guy like you have been covering teams forever, specifically the Eagles, what kind of grade do you give the Eagles for a game like that?
7: Yeah, it's a good question. I get what you're saying. I mean, I I don't think they played well offensively at all. Um, And I think they really uh, missed Dallas Goddard, which is is understandable. And I think that's going to be an issue moving forward uh, until he gets back because you can talk about this Village approach, Jody, but <clears throat> you can take a whole village. They're not giving you – they're not approximating what Dallas Goddard gives you. So um, that's number one. Uh, I think they really struggled with that. I think Nick pressed a little bit. You know, he really wanted this win. I talked about it. I uh, kind of played it down. But you saw the emotion afterward. He, he really wanted this win. And you saw he broke down a little bit, walked into the locker room. Um, and I thought he pressed a little bit, little strange decisions, you know, given Boston Scott, you know, they've done that before. They don't, they did that in Detroit in week one. He doesn't play, he doesn't play, he doesn't play. And then they ask him to go close the game. That to me is just weird. That's the weird use of a player. Um, and it didn't work. Um, so, I mean, all the – accolades, all the, you can't give Jalen Hurts enough credit. He put that team on his, on his back. I mean, it was all him running the football pretty much in the fourth quarter. Um, and he got to give the offensive. Line. I mean, that was like the red sea parting uh, that touchdown. I couldn't believe it from the, from the press box. You, you would not believe how much room there was. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Indianapolis was trying to accomplish there, but uh, it was pretty impressive. Defensively, I mean, they had the first drive and that was it. Now they they locked him down and Walt Joseph, man. You know, it was interesting. I thought, you know, first watch, I thought, man, he played well and he seemed to be all over the place. Um, And, you know, I was interested to see the pro football focus grades if, if they backed up. And sure enough, they graded him the best Eagles defender. Now I thought it was TJ Edwards on first view. I think TJ played really well. Yeah. But anytime you give up that number, we talk about it a lot, 17 or less. Anytime you give up 17 in the modern NFL, that's the goal. And the Eagles have done that again and again and again and again. Detroit and 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 and, and Washington were the two outliers. This is a good defense. And they got better with uh Lindwell. Joseph and Adamic and Sue. And I kind of mentioned last week on the show, if this works and it worked for one week, work like gangbusters, if this works long-term, this is going to create a whole new way of doing business in the NFL. I I really believe that with veteran players.
6: Yeah. um, And Joseph played well and Sue played well. Um, They did both get paid. The details came out on their contract. It was more than the veteran minimum. Yeah. So, the Eagles had to pony up to get both of these guys in. They've got incentive clauses in their contract where they can actually make a couple dollars. So, um, we, we'll see if it's wait till halfway in the season to make a decision, but it may come down to what uh, they actually ended up signing for, which was okay money for half a season for both of those veteran guys. Yeah.
7: And they can both, you know, sit at home. You don't have to go through the grind of training camp and, you know, it's a 17 game schedule now, and that, you know, 34, 35 year old players are going to wear down over a 17 game schedule. If, if you do it the right way and you stay in shape, and it was pretty clear that Limbaugh and, and Dominican Sue stayed in shape, and you can come in and pick and choose and and pick a contender and go ring shopping. A lot of times it happens in other sports, it hasn't happened much. In the NFL, we might be seeing a new phase, uh, a new market for the NFL with these veteran players.
6: And uh, I, I was thinking of your buddy, the ex-Eagle defensive coordinator, when I found out not only were they going to play, but end up playing a lot. Uh, the phrase that you like to uh, quote from Coach Schwartz: uh, startup costs. I guess startup costs are only for rookies because there were no startup costs that were Linvold talking yeah. for Dominion two. Talk about plug and play. They put them in there. Yeah, They've well, like the right been part term. of the
7: system for years. In Jim's defense, when he talks about startup costs, he is talking about young players. Uh, right. But the plug and play, that right. now that's been used for years by coaches and GMs. And that is, you know, that's going by the wayside. Um, not only here, but it's happened. You saw Kirstie McCaffrey in San Francisco, TJ Hawkinson in Minnesota. You know, these guys are just getting plugged and played and playing successfully. Um Yeah, a lot of those old school sentiments and mentalities are being proven incorrect. And you think about it, you know, Linball's a nose tackle, right? What's he got to know, man? You yeah, it, it's his job to, take up two blockers and create penetration and, 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 and disrupt running plays, you know? So they put him out there and he did it. And he, you know, in his prime, he was one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. And, you know, he's 34. We have to see if he can hold up. He said before the game, he said, it's not week one. It's not the first week because he's healthy. He's got to see how he's feeling after the first game. And we'll see how that shakes out because, you know, that's the problem. The bangs, the bruises, and he plays a very physical position. But, man, he's strong. I I, I told you that on the show, Jody. I talked to Jason Kelsey about Linball Joseph a lot because he used to play him twice a year with the Giants. You know, you had the NFC Championship game. He was on Minnesota at that time. Kelsey's always said he's the strongest player he's ever faced. Um, and he, he showed it from day one. He just throws people around, it's pretty
6: impressive. And we'll see if he feels like Fletcher Cox did last week when Fletcher was asked to play as many. Yeah. Laps as he now, to he play. might be, yeah, he might feel shitty this week. Yeah, so. he might just do it. We'll have to uh, find that out for him. Now, he, he I can do join the club, by the way. One question on the defense because, um, and I, I get it from an Eagles standpoint you want to try and move as quickly and or gloss over the first drive as much as you can. They went through the Eagles like they were Swiss cheese. They went right down the field, seven yards per clip for Jonathan Taylor. And I'm sitting there watching the game. Oh, damn. Maybe the blueprint to beat the Eagles is actually out there. I thought it was overstated the week before with what the commanders did. But damn, if the Colts didn't do just that to them. And then the defense was able to turn it on a dime. And basically shut them down and their running game from that point on. And and Sue and Joseph were out there. They might not have started the game, but they were out there as part of that drive. Yet the exact opposite results from there on in, uh, anything specific, anything that went different. They, were just, they needed a couple snaps under their belt to get into the game. Because I was worried <laughs> after that first drive, Johnny Mac, I got to be honest.
7: Yeah, I wasn't because I think JG made a mistake. If you go to the first, you know, I was surprised, um, to be honest, that uh, Linvall was starting. Uh, the first play of the game was a, a, a run up the middle for three yards, and he was in on the tackle uh, with TJ Edwards. And then the second down, second and seven, he was in, and they had a one-yard run. Uh uh, actually, it was a short pass, sorry, to Michael Pittman. But Linbaugh was on the game. So you set up the third and six, And then I'll give J.G. praise here. He dials up what all the Eagles fans won, the blitz. And T.J. Edwards is loose, and he's bearing down on Matt Ryan. And Josiah Scott can't hold up on the back end. Michael Pittman just smoked him. 24-yard gain. And here's where the mistake comes in. Then he went to the four-man front, didn't go back to Lindball. Now, maybe that was pitch count. You know, he's just starting. And all of a sudden, against the four-man front, Taylor up the middle for 28 yards, Taylor for nine yards. So I think he made that mistake, and he made the correction. And and I was talking to Lindball after the game, and he said, he was a little bit surprised how much he played, um, but – and he said, look, when it's rundowns, I'm gonna play. When it's pass downs, I'm not gonna play. <laughs> Very honest. Um, and, and JG made the quick quick correction. And you know, one we I just talked about the Dallas Goddard injury. We talked a lot about the Jordan Davis injury. That Avante Maddox injury, we're not talking about because it Josiah Scott, man, he's having a real difficult time. And, and later in the game, he got beat twice. He got beat on the long, when they took the 16-10 lead, long pass. That was Josiah Scott. And then the first down on the last drive, which the Eagles obviously managed to uh, clean it up, was a big uh, mistake by Josiah Scott. So the defense, other than the first drive, they made the correction, uh, was really good, but They need a Bonte Maddox back, and they need a Bonte Maddox back All right,
6: so we go there next. Um, Guys that are on IR, uh, we've now continued to add to that list, unfortunately, uh, with the injuries that they've suffered. Uh, Any time – I know that uh, Sirianni wasn't going to give it, uh, but anything you could have read off last week or uh, guys who may may have commented on their own status, any time frames on injured Eagles and – when is realistically uh, their return going to be? Yeah. I mean,
7: I, you know, I asked somebody about Jordan Davis because my first thought when they bring in not only Joseph, but also Sue, um, you know, in one week you start to think the obvious, well, maybe Jordan Davis uh, won't be back at, after his four game stint on IR. Um, and I would, I was told pretty insistently, I wouldn't read too much into that. They expect him back, uh, pretty quickly. If not, you know, that fourth game, uh, pretty quickly after that. Um, and, and Dallas is a little bit murkier, uh, because I've heard everything from could be season ending to, um, you know, could be four weeks. I think the best, they expect him back in the regular season. Um, whether that's the final game or two, but boy, they need him back. They just need to persevere until they get him back. And Abonte, you know, it's a high ankle sprain, you know, four to six weeks I think would be uh, the real, no surgery or anything like that. So um, if they can persevere through this little hump and they get those three guys back, This team's really impressive from a a talent perspective.
6: I want to ask you about a specific play yesterday, and we're not being negative. We're just trying to cover all the angles here. On Bridge 365, it was not one of the better plays for the Eagles. The A.J. Brown fumble yesterday. You were at the stadium. (laughs) I asked Barrett about it yesterday. We had Don Moan ask him about it, but all three of us were watching the game on TV from home. You were there. He just seemed tentative. After he made the catch he's not the kind of guy who's going to juke and jive and sidestep a defender. He's going to go either with speed or with power after he makes a catch for whatever rack he can get his hands on. And he didn't on that play and the ball got slapped out from the side and end up being almost a very costly turnover. Uh, what was your read on that play? Did anybody ask A.J. Brown about it after the game? You
7: um, yeah, I, I I just think it was a perfect punch. I think if you look at that play, there's certain times, um, and I forget who did it. I got to look it up, but I give the defender credit there. I mean, he just punched really? that thing. And it was like, you know, it's like a Mike Tyson knockout blow. He hit it perfectly, and that ball was coming out sometimes you know you see with helmets guys not as much today because you can't lower your helmet but you know when the helmet hits the football it doesn't matter what you're doing it's coming out um and now you see the eagles do it all the time with the punching maybe too much uh trying but you know with marcus epps that was a big turnover uh jonathan taylor was just grinding and grinding and grinding and then all of a sudden the football's out um the has got to do something about that rule, by the way. Sometimes they blow the whistle. Sometimes they don't blow the whistle.
6: The Eagles uh, got to break gotta,
7: on that play.
6: Yeah, they got to
7: they gotta do something with that rule. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it just got punched out, and it was a perfect punch, and, and I don't think it's something to be worried about. But I will say, when Nick Sirianni um, – you know, talked about there's no luck and Jonathan. Yeah. And it, oh, there's luck. That was a perfect punch. Guys punching at the football. You know, we all know A.J. Brown, um, swole Batman. I mean, he's as powerful as it comes, a wide receiver. Uh, but if somebody punches on the, on the, on, you know, on the, on the button, it's coming out. And I think that's what happened.
6: Uh, I I put more emphasis on the Swole Batman himself. I, I think he was caught in between making a move and I don't think he, you, you're giving 90% of the credit to the defender. I'll say that uh, that was a play that could have been averted. Uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, it was Z- I, I was trying to, it was
7: Zaire Franklin. Yeah. If you look back at the play, he just, uh, he just
6: perfect. perfect and Franklin, concert. oh, by the way, but despite, in addition to that play, Despite the pass interference against Miles Sanders, he played a hell of a game yesterday. He did, but that
7: pass interference, boy, he panicked. He really panicked on that. That was was a bad job. But overall, he played a good game. That's the thing about defense, man. You make one big play, corners talk about it all the time. Offensive tackle, too, from the offensive perspective. You play a great game, great game, great game, and all of a sudden, There's one high profile moment where you look bad. That's kind of what happened to Sire Franklin. You're right. He played really well.
6: He played very Um, well. Yeah. But he he panicked.
7: He panicked, and there was no need for him to panic on that play.
6: He did. Uh, He explained it afterwards. He said he thought Miles was going to the end zone. He just wanted to stop a touchdown. The ball yeah. was, if anything, the ball was underthrown, which ended up helping the Eagles to get the penalty. But if it wasn't underthrown, yeah. maybe Miles would have gotten all the way to the end zone. So, yeah, uh, free, free
7: 39 yards, those are the hidden yardage. And Nick Ceriani talks about it all the time with uh explosive plays that counts. That's third, that was the most explosive play of the day, uh, for the Eagles, uh, offensively,
5: right?
6: They it's, got
7: 39 yards out of that. Uh, and you're right. You know who also played well for Indianapolis?
6: Rodney McLeod. Rodney made a couple of really plays. Well. Yes, he really did. well. He did. Uh, and I do want to talk. We'll bring this up with our, our first guest in a second about those hidden yards. Some people critiquing the Eagles overall offense until Jalen Hurts took him on his back. in those last two possessions that the Eagle offensive play calling was unimaginative or not putting enough confidence into Jalen Hurts. They're behind the sticks all day because of silly penalties. They took too many. So There's a hidden aspect of the game. The Eagles took too many offensive penalties, which put them in less than stellar uh, play-calling positions. I'm not going to leave that as much on Shane Steichen's plate as some people seem to be doing, as I am. Shame on the players who were taking those offensive penalties. All right, that's just one of many things we're going to talk about with our next guest. You know him, you love him. He's here with us all the time. He's John's uh, running mate at Sports Illustrated. Heels Maven. Ed Kratz is going to join us next here on Birds 365.
8: Don't wait until after Thanksgiving for leftovers. It's the new leftover sales event at Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Jeff must get rid of hundreds of new 2022 vehicles on the lot. Rams, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers. Jeff has them all for less. Jeff has reduced prices and payments to the lowest they've been all year. And Jeff knocks down high interest rates, save thousands more than anywhere else. Plus get more for any trade or lease return. You always win at Jeff's great selection, best price. Hurry in now. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Black Friday sales event.
2: At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience,
5: University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at salas.edu.
6: Transitional Tuesday morning here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mack. let get Johnny Mack back with me, Johnny Mack. And good to have Ed Kratz join the fray on today's conversation. EK, I asked John this question to start the show, so I want to get your uh, read on it too. 60 minutes kickoff. Shockingly, Eagles won the toss and decided to defer. Oh, Shot. By, say, by the way, they can't lose coin tosses. They same nine and one on the coin tosses. They are on their regular season record. Yeah. It is unbelievable. No luck to that either. they rep that journey. They uh, practiced okay. that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but from uh, the coin toss, and give them credit if you need to, for winning again, to the final gun, what would you give the Eagles 60-minute grade for the game the other day against Colts? Oh, boy. I, you know – Gosh, I mean, they, they
1: were, I would say they were average, to be honest. Um, I would probably give them a C, maybe a C plus, you know, maybe a B minus, but I, I would probably go C plus, I think, you know, for a grade. Uh, you know, they look like they were dead in the water there, right? I mean, for just over three quarters, they did absolutely squat as you like to say, Jody. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I thought they were going to lose. I mean, I think everybody thought they were going to lose. I, was very, uh, I very... thought
7: they were going to win. It, Come on, Ed. I said it. <laughs> yeah. I said they're
1: coming back. Yeah, you might have. But I was already writing my game story and with the loss, with the slant towards the loss, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to be a nice, easy day. Get out of here early. Go hit the steak and shake or whatever it's called there in Indianapolis. But, uh, you know, the Eagles really showed a lot of moxie and a lot of resilience to come back and win that game. And you really have to give – I think, well, the defense obviously – Gets a big assist here, but Jalen Hurts really put them on their on their shoulders and carried them to you know those two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Did Johnny Mac
6: freeze up on it? Yeah,
7: I think I think the grades are mixed. Like, um, yeah. I hear you guys. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, I I thought Jalen played really really well. Um, yeah. I don't think many other people on the offense. Uh, the offensive line was okay. But I think the skilled people, I think they really miss Dallas Goddard. Uh, this this whole it's gonna take a bunch of people to replace Dallas Goddard. Now nobody's replacing Dallas Goddard. Jack Stoll played uh, significant snaps, but let's be honest, he can't he can't scare defenses from a from a uh, receiving perspective. They tried to get Boston Scott involved, Kenny Gainwell involved. I had the touchdown to Quez Watkins, so he got uh, a little bit more. But, man, I it's going to be tough without Dallas Goddard. I, I really believe that.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be an adjustment. You know, I mean, they played their first game without him, and, uh, you know, they're they're kind of feeling their way here. Um, they're playing the, – you know, it looked like the Colts played A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith a little differently without having to worry about a tight end threat. Like you said, Stole. you know, he had one – I think he only had one target. Uh, in the past game, so you're really not going to have to worry about him too much if you're a defense, so you can kind of put a lot of your resources into stopping those two receivers, and, you know, Quez is the one, and even Pascal, uh, who's probably going to have to step up, and, you know, Quez did a nice job on that 22-yard touchdown. Now, I will say, you know, watching that game again, Jack Stoll made a, a nice play to kind of clear out the, uh, you know, that part of the field for Watkins. You know, Stoll ran kind of a 10-yard out pattern and took the corner with him, and then they brought their Quez – uh, over the top, behind Stoll, uh, and, and he left a couple guys trailing in his wake. And it was a nice throw from from Hertz. So, yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a work in progress as they feel their way through uh, this offense and how it changes now without Dallas in there. Need
6: both of your guys' takes on this, because uh, we had uh, Dom one yesterday when Johnny Mack was out, and he said something that I just couldn't agree with. I try to agree with Dom because I know he knows football the way he does, but if I don't, I don't. Um, we were talking about replacing Dallas Goddard. Where's the offense go if Goddard's not there? It takes a village, all that stuff. He said, the Eagles have two very good pass-catching backs that they need to use more.
7: Yeah, I, I, I saw Dama wrote that, and I'm like, who? Who? I, I'm with you. I, I was an owl. I'm starting who? I mean, you can't call Miles Sanders a great pass-catching back. I thought he had the great rookie season, but I mean – we're in it's been a while now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kenny Gainwell, I thought was going to become a pass catching back. He was great in college at it. I haven't seen it. I mean, yeah, I'm with you, Jody. I can't, I can't call them great pass catching backs, can you? Ed? I mean, not when you're talking about Austin Eckler and guys like that in the NFL. Well, yeah, yeah
1: no there was certainly they're not at that level but you know in theory you know Sanders had the 50 yard catch as a rookie um they haven't thrown to him a whole lot and you know I I think I would like to see them throw the ball to him a little bit more they ran that screen I think it was with Boston Scott to me Boston Scott you know he doesn't seem to have that same explosion you know even around the end you know he, he that doesn't seem like he has that same burst um yeah he can catch the ball but you know again in theory he can catch the ball but i don't think you want to be dialing up too much for boston scott and kenny gainwell has really taken a step back he had a drop in indianapolis um so yeah i don't know what what the issue is there i mean he's it's just been a struggle for him in fact scott (laughs) played more running back reps than gainwell uh did on sunday i think that's the first time that's happened all season so um. Yeah, in theory, you like to see them get the ball to guys like Sanders and Scott and Gainwell, but I'm just not sure that's good enough. Maybe Sanders, maybe you want to kind of fire up him a little bit more, uh, you know, on these wheel routes and such. But he, he did make a really huge play in the game. Oh, yeah. Biggest you know, play of that the game, really. Yeah, we
7: were Indeed. talking about that. Zaire Franklin panicked on that. He didn't need to, though.
1: No, no, um, he, he didn't. Um, but, but it was I mean, a big play. It was. had a good game. It was, he had, a, you know, I really really went good. back and looked at, at his at his numbers, and you know, to be honest, I never heard of him before. Uh, oh,
7: he's a good player.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he punched that ball out that caused the fumble. I was, trying to I was talking and, to that with Jody.
7: Yeah. That was right on the button, Ed. It that was, was a with, great you know, play. People. Yeah, and he when, had twelve tackles tack in the game. Football, yeah. yeah.
6: When you punch no, the I, football, I, even
7: A.J. Brown, it's coming
6: out. It's coming I, I out. I more blame A.J. on that one, but uh, I don't want to relitigate that. But I want to ask a question, <laughs> both you guys, about the pass to the running backs. I said this yesterday, man. maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think it's a strength of Jalen Hurts there's an art, there's a knack to being able to throw a screen pass. Now, the one down the field, the Sanders, is just like a wide receiver pass. That's not (laughs) – even though it's a back that's catching it, to me that's not throwing it to a back coming out of the backfield. Donovan McNabb used to be really good at it, but I think a lot of that had to do with Brian Westbrook, that he was just so good at it. He made Donovan look better than maybe Donovan was. Uh, J- judging Jalen Hurts and we got however many games under our belt now we should be able to judge him almost two full seasons is he good at throwing the ball out of the backfield to backs
1: yeah I mean he hasn't really shown that to the case. Now, I will say he's thrown some nice screen passes to Dallas Goddard you know uh, you yeah, know that's
6: not a back out of the not, back
1: yeah, I know it's not a back out of the backfield but yeah to, to make those plays work you really have to be on target with your throw you have to hit a running back in stride right you, you can't throw up behind him or too high or too low and you know kind of make him slow down you have to hit him in stride with a full head of steam going up the field and you know you haven't seen that a whole lot from from Jalen Hurts or you know and Miles Sanders maybe you know if I really put my thinking cap on I could think of a player too that maybe he's made that happen but yeah you're right he doesn't and maybe Shane Steichen knows it that he just isn't as effective throwing the ball to the running backs. But that doesn't mean you can't, you know, rep it over and over and practice. I mean, that's just a repetition practice. thing. I, well, yeah. you know, you're not hitting or, or doing a lot, but you can still practice that kind of stuff is is trying to work on that timing and that, you know, the delivery to get the backs the ball. And, you know, that's what you could work on to, to get better at it. Because I think maybe you should see more of that, especially to Sanders coming out of the backfield, uh, I, you know what I don't like is that play they throw to the side, those side screens, you know, to Devontae Smith. They never go anywhere, right? There's little quick throws off to the end of the line.
7: Sometimes they get illegal man downfield penalties. Yeah, so yeah it's, it's
1: just called. it's just not an effective play. Yeah. And I would put that back into the, you know, back into the. I'd, actually, I'd put it in the incinerator and burn it and not use it. <laughs> <the> room, but
7: <laughs> I would try. Well, you to, know, my two cents on the jail and and, and Nick has talked about this a couple of times when he says, you don't know what you have till you have it. Like Jalen Hurts is better running the football than dumping it off to the back. So why bother dumping it off to the back when he can gas you running the football? I think the Eagles have come around to that way of thinking. Um, but I do want to talk about the running backs in a different way.
6: Let me, can I just respond to that yeah. for just one second, John? You're right. Nick's right. Here's the issue you don't know he's going to get hurt until he gets hurt. That's the one, that's the one risk you're taking. You can take Jalen. Yeah. You don't have to put the ball in the air. It's more secure until Jalen gets a high ankle sprain, trying to make a play running the football. There's always that risk. So I think you have to factor that in when you say, well, just let the quarterback run it. Yeah. I can't,
7: you know me, I can't legislate injuries. So I can't, I can't worry about him getting it. He's proven to be, like I said, the one time Jalen got injured, it was in the pocket, right? It wasn't outside the pocket; it was in the pocket. But um, so you can't really control. Coaches always say, "Control what you can control." Here's what I can control, and that's what it's talking about. You mentioned Boston Scott. Every once in a while, they did it again. He doesn't play all game, and then he's on the field in key spots. Well, I, I, I don't get that. I don't. If they did it in Detroit way back in Week One, and they did it in Indianapolis late in the game.
9: What, what,
7: what do you take a guy like? Is he Mario Mariano Rivera? Is he the best closer in the world? I've yet to see this. What is the thought process behind Boston Scott coming in and close the game at running back? Yeah, but he doesn't play the rest of the game.
1: I think he carried the ball three straight times, you know, late in the game. It's, it is curious. I I don't know why they do that. Maybe, you know, to speculate, maybe it's to think the defense would say, okay, here comes Scott. We don't have to worry about a run here. They're going to throw it. And then they hand it to him, but why he's on the field, you know, at the end of the game and not more in the first or second quarter is, is is curious. Um, Yeah, you're right. You have your, your workhorse and Sanders, guy that scored, what, six rushing touchdowns this year? Yeah. I mean, I would have him in the backfield. And even he's a better he player.
7: Like, nothing against yeah. Boston. Is a yeah, better player.
1: He, he is. I, I don't know. It's a curious thing why they do that. And maybe, you know, Shane Steichen will give us an answer. Probably not. Later <laughs> uh, on Tuesday. But he certainly. It's all about can, the yes. opponent. It's yeah. all about
6: the opponent. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. We'll, we'll see what the coordinators have to say today. All right. Before the coordinators, I got to get you both your guys, takes on the head coach. Uh, game ends, they come from behind, Jalen dances into the end zone, and Nick goes jumping up on the bench behind the Eagles bench. There were Eagle fans that had worked their way down to the first couple of rows of the stands. You couldn't really make out if he was uh, uh, communicating with Eagle fans and or Colt fans, because after the game, he's was pretty outspoken about uh, how much winning this game meant to him because of what just happened with Frank Reich head coach of the Eagles is not afraid to show his emotions. He kind of wears them on his sleeve more than anything else. And and some have questioned the fact that he may be a little too emotional in both the way that he handles himself on the field and, and what he says after games. I got zero problem with emotional Nick uh, Sirianni. I, I think it's people just looking for nitpick things to get on his case and or try and take back a 9-1 and team at this stage. Does Nick Siriani have too much emotion for his own good? Well, I, I'm with
1: you. I don't have a problem with it either. I mean, and I think he even alluded to it in an interview that you know he's an, he's Italian, right? I mean, Italians are known for their uh-huh. emotion, and uh, and football is an emotional game. So you have those two factors coming together, and yeah, it, it gets emotional. And it, listen, the players get emotional too. So when their head coach is getting emotional, I, I don't I don't think they have a problem with that. I mean, Nick
6: Nick, you know, he that's one people- thing. They've got the most unemotional quarterback on the face of yeah. the planet. <laughs> the rest of the team is all emotional. Except That's the guy great. who gets the ball play. I think that works. That yin and
7: yang, I think it, it's working for the Eagles. Yeah. The quarterback yep. is, you know, he is a straight line. And, so and the coach is, you know, I thought he pressed a little bit. Ed. I, and obviously, he tried to play it off. But we know how important this game was for him. Oh yeah, you saw how emotional he got after the game. Yeah, I thought he pressed a little bit. That that weird, you know, he came out of the two minute warning, showing the sneak, and you know, calling time out. If they don't, if they don't convert, and by the way, you talk about Jalen Hurts winning the game. That was the play, the play before the touchdown. I think it was fourth and two.
1: Yeah,
7: I mean, he was dead to rights. Indianapolis played that beautifully and he just found a way to get three yards. Yeah. Um, but he, he kind of pressed he, he he tried to draw them off sides. He wasted another timeout. So if they don't get that, the game's over. They would have had an extra timeout. You never know. Uh, pump the football back. If you stop them. I thought there were, there were some instances where Nick Sirianni was pressing in that game as a head coach. Did you get that feeling? Uh, yeah, maybe. I thought he gave
1: a good answer to that fourth and two timeout where he tried to draw them off sides. He he said, you know, on Monday that, uh, you know, he looked at it as having two opportunities to convert a fourth and two. The first opportunity being, okay, let's see if we can draw them off. And if not, we'll call timeout and then we'll take our second opportunity at it. And that's to actually run a play. Um, you know, so that that seems logical to me in, in that situation. My my question is why did they call a timeout after Hassan Reddick sacked Matt Ryan and before their kicker made the, the kick to put him up 16-10? 16-10 yeah. I'm not sure why he called a timeout in that situation. Maybe it was to save more time to, yeah, it was you know, save 40 forward.
6: seconds, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I no think that, that.
1: that's probably legitimate, but you still had over four minutes and you have your four-minute offense you still get the ball back with four minutes to go instead of four and a half minutes to go. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, when you, when you hear it like that, but you know, if I was him, I, and listen, I'm not a coach. I'm sitting up there in the press box, you know, with all the other guys in our coaches and uh, you know, I'm thinking why wouldn't if you tried to draw them off sides after 10 seconds of trying, then you deploy your receivers, you know, then you get into a play And then you run something quick, and then maybe after you, you know, you back off and start deploying these guys. Maybe they jump them because they see everybody moving around, going into motion, uh, and and initiate a play. But you know, maybe that's too seat of the pants for Nick Sirianni. He wanted to call a timeout and make sure he had the right play. And you're right, Hertz made a a very nice move on that. That whole middle was blocked up.
2: Yeah,
1: oddly enough, they they did a nice job. And he bounced it to the left, and then. Two plays later, or whatever it was, the Middles wide open on the same play. So, uh, you know, I'll say this about that play, that touchdown play, that third and seven touchdown run. Is and Zaire Franklin talked about this after the game was they were kind of the Eagles gave them a different look. They had Boston Scott lined up next to Jalen Scott in that play of the game. I know Boston, right. But, but, it was a different look. Usually, they run those QB draws. What Franklin said was out of empty sets. Yeah,
7: out of empty. Yeah.
1: So yeah. they put Scott back there, and they're thinking, okay, this isn't going to be a QB draw. So they, they, you know, actually think they're going to throw the football, and that confused the Colts' defense. So that was kind of an added stroke of genius there by putting Scott back there. Whether that was
6: Steichen or Sirianni, it was a, it was a good call. Yeah, And give Steichen credit for that. And some people second-guessing Steichen after the game. I know they only put up 17 points, and Hurts had to put up two touchdowns in the last five minutes to be able to get to 17. But I'm going to give Shane Steichen a little bit of a pass here because they took as many silly penalties as they did. Yeah, The startup (laughs) cost tight end replacements talk about youngsters calcantara and jackson stepping in there both taking really bad penalties at really bad times is that yeah. James Steichen's fault well
1: i no i don't think it's his fault no not, no I, you know these guys hadn't played much all year right now here they are in key moments of a game and trying to maybe do too much and that leads to stupid penalties um, so no, that's not Steichen's fault. I mean, they're like like we said to start the show, they're they're still feeling their way without Dallas Goddard. They gotta figure it out, you know, what they can do without Dallas Goddard how to get the receivers more involved, maybe the backs, like you said, Jody, uh, and, and maybe give some more targets to Stoll and even Calcaterra, his only catch this season was deep down the field, 40 yards. If you're not gonna cover these guys, if you're gonna pay more attention to the to the outside receivers, then <laughs> them open and get them a little bit more involved. So defenses have to pay attention to them.
7: Yeah. It it was uh, the Eagles' second drive. They had three consecutive penalties. Um, But two of them, Jason Kelsey illegally downfield. Yeah, Jason was really upset by that. Coming Mm -hmm. off the week where he said, uh, complaining about officials is a loser's mentality. He was really fired up. Um, But they always get caught for that because of their RPOs. Um, And that's really sort of give and take. Then Landon Dickerson got caught for holding. That's not typical. And that was Jalen Hurts scrambling. You and I were talking about that. You know, the offensive line doesn't know Jalen's going, right? And he's behind him and the defender sort of moves to go to Jalen and they're blocking, and, and they kind of get caught for grabbing. So I, I don't even blame that on Blanda Dickerson. And then, and then, uh, as Jody mentioned, Tyree Jackson got caught for OPI, and Nick seriani has been here for 10 games plus 18 last year, uh, so 28 games. They can't run a rubber out to save their lives. So these are all normal issues with the
6: Eagles, and they corrected them. But anytime you have
7: three consecutive
6: penalties, that oh, looks bad. Yeah, which is it? It's normal issues that they corrected them. It can't be both. Well, the illegal downfield stuff is something you, you have to deal with when you have a
7: quarterback like Jalen Hurts. You have to deal with it. You're going to get caught.
1: Yeah. Colts had an illegal man downfield penalty as well. I mean, they got caught with a yeah, guy. See, that that's
7: worse good. because everybody knows yeah. Matt Ryan ain't doing anything. Wouldn't yeah. run in the football. Um, with the Eagles, Chicago, Baltimore – It's baked in. If you're going to run that type of offense, you're going to get some of those penalties. Um, And it's baked in because of Jalen Hurts' ability to scramble. And Lane Johnson got caught for holding later in the game. Same thing. Yeah, guy, He doesn't know where Jalen's going. Guy leaves. Lane's got him locked up. And all of a sudden, he leaves. And it looks to the official like he's grabbing and holding him. I don't know. It's what just was, kind of What was Calcaterra's you... penalty again? I I don't remember Kalki's. I have to look it up. Do you remember it? Off-hand?
1: I don't. I don't remember.
6: Oh, um, I do remember. It was uh, uh holding. Yeah, Grant Calcaterra. There yeah, were a lot yeah. of offensive penalties. I mean, and the only reason I bring it up cuz some people are questioning St. Shane Steichen, that he didn't have enough faith in Hurts until the last possession that they they tried to work around him rather than through him not if you keep taking stupid penalties and it's always that kind of down a distance kind of dictates play calling. And they were behind the sticks as often as they were in the first half because they took too many penalties.
7: Yeah, exactly. I, I would complain about the OPIs. Those look, they got to clean those up. They got to run rubber routes better. I, I kind of, I can't complain about, like I said, the land and, and lane penalties. That's just part of it. The Kelsey penalty, that's just part of having a quarterback like that. You're going to get caught. Calcaterra is a young kid. it can't block. Hopefully he gets better at it. Um, but, yeah, he's not here to block. I don't know. I it, When you break them down individually, I, I I didn't have that much of a problem. But certainly when you get back to back to back, you get three in a row, it looks bad. I'll be yeah. the first to say that. Uh, but uh, your sense, Ed, I, I didn't – I didn't have a problem with those penalties for the most part.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, maybe the Kelsey one, you know, Kelsey was heard on the mic yelling at the official yeah. for, uh, for calling that. But yeah, I think, you know, as far as the OPI goes, I think they've cleaned that up a little bit better this year. They're not getting called for it as much as they did last year. I can, you know, there were probably a couple of times earlier in the season, but I don't think it's as egregious. And then you have a kid like Tyree Jackson out there who hasn't played you know, since last January, I mean, yeah, he, he's going to be make some mistakes. There's no doubt, and you hope that he can iron some of that stuff out. So, you know, I I, I don't think that was as much of a system OPI, you know, not fixing something as it was Tyree Jackson just not, you know, uh, having played for so long. So, I think they fixed that for the most part that OPI stuff. You see OPIs across the league. I you know I saw a couple this weekend in games that yeah. got called. So, I mean, it does happen.
6: I saw, I saw one you guys probably missed because you were at the game. I think it was one of the games, uh, one of the one o'clock games. A uh, receiver blatantly, blatantly picked off a defender, but he took a dive. He ran into the defender, but then immediately threw himself back and went to the ground, and he completely got away with it. And the guy who got picked off went into the end zone for a touchdown. So hmm. if you're going to do it, sell it. make, make, Make it look like you're the offended party. Yeah. Take a dive on the play because it yeah. worked famously for. And I apologize for not remembering the the players involved or even the team that was involved. But I saw, I said, oh, my God, that's great. You got to be able to incorporate that into one's offense when you desperately need a touchdown because the guy was so wide open. It was ridiculous. All right, Eddie Kratz. we only got a couple minutes left. We almost got turned the page a little early this week, especially on Birds 365 because we're off on Thursday and Friday. Remake Bay <laughs> Packers coming to town uh john and i are both unabashed aaron Rodgers fans but he's not having a great year and the green bay defense is coming apart at the seams this team is not making the playoffs before the year started this was one of the games i would bet all three of us circled and said wow that's gonna be a tough one for the eagles even though it's here in philadelphia oh by the way the packers have won the last three times they've come to philadelphia um what is up with the Packers? I, I'm burying them today, officially. They're not making the playoffs. I'm on record as saying uh, Minnesota was pretty stinking bad. I predicted that one, Jody. You, you going to predict the Packers going to catch no, the Vikings? No, okay, they're not going to catch. That's what I was saying. Uh, Eddie Kratz, what's up with the the Green Bay Packers? Why are they where they are?
1: Yeah, I, I had this one circled as a tough game. In fact, I had these next two games circled as tough games. Packers, Titans, back-to-back, at, albeit it's at home, but they were the two number one seeds in the playoffs last year. Packers, NFC, Titans, AFC. Uh, but yeah, I, listen, it's I think to me it comes down to their defenses not as good as everybody thought it was up uh, for Green Bay and yep. Aaron Rodgers just you know he's starting to build a little bit of more chemistry with Christian Watson. Yeah. But you know they did not really address losing not only DeVonte Adams but Marquez Valdez scandaling as well. I mean that that they're two big losses in that receiving room. Uh and who did they replace them with? I mean other than Christian Watson um Just not a good enough job on the personnel side of things, I don't think. And Aaron Rodgers looks pretty pretty old to me all of a sudden, you know, and that happens to guys sometimes. Um, And you wonder if it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, if he would be on the bench at this point and you start playing the young kid who may not be so young anymore, Jordan Love. He feels like he's been on that team for, you know, five or six years. But if it's not Aaron Rodgers, why he's probably on the bench in most franchises. So – It's just been a struggle personnel-wise for them. Uh, I don't think Rodgers looks as good as he has in the past. He might – this might be the end of the line. We'll see. Um, And then their defense just hasn't lived up to billing either. Russell Douglas, our old friend, he seems to always find a way to intercept. Rudy Ford,
7: too. Don't forget Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford played okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. But when he's playing a starting role at safety – Yeah, that's not good. That's I'm not like sure that's kind of an ideal thing, but yeah, so I think their defense has been a bit disappointment. Their personnel's been a problem. And here they sit, what are they, four and seven or, or yeah. three and they
7: They're seven. not very good. But that's I good. man, I can't shake it. If Jody knows, I I think I always say he's not the best of all time, but I think you know, when he's at his best, nobody's played the position at a higher level than Aaron Rodgers. Our buddy Howard Eskin always says, if you're scared, go buy a dog. I, I have a dog. You have a dog. When Aaron Rodgers shows up, I'm going to buy a dog because I'm scared to death of him, even today, at 4-7, and seven, whatever they are.
6: Yeah, I at mean, yeah, 4-7, and seven and uh, despite the Vikings crushing at the hands of the Cowboys, they're going to win that division. Uh, you you kind of hinted at that, and you're not the only one. I've seen others write an article about time, Jordan Luck. It, they're not going to sit Aaron Rodgers until Aaron Rodgers says it's okay to sit yeah, Aaron Rodgers, on no, not no no, no.
1: no, no. And that's what I'm saying is if it was anybody other than Aaron Rodgers, I would think that the organization is going to say, Hey, let's, let's see what we got in the veteran or the rookie here, not rookie, but you know, this kid that's been sitting on the bench, allegedly learning from one of the best, let's see what he has, but they're not going to, they're not going to. Allegedly.
7: Gonna... By the way, they took uh, Jordan Loppy or the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Another miss there from another organization on Jalen Hurts. Well, he
7: wouldn't be playing there. It's interesting, you know. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers isn't getting benched for for Jalen Hurts. No. Um, but no. it'd be nice to have him now. But you don't know how things develop in different cities, different coaching staffs, different situations. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers coming to Philadelphia. It's Sunday Night Football, too. Another yeah. night game. Get ready for prime that.
1: Prime time. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not a one o'clock game where the Packers would be like, yeah, you know, let's go through the motions. there. a prime time game might have their juices flowing, and even though they're sitting at four and seven and thinking they're out of this thing, they're they're playing in front of the you know the nation. They're playing in front of peers, you know, former teammates across the league whose games are over. So maybe that inspires them a little bit. I don't, I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means. I, You know, the Eagles are going to have to work hard for it. There's no doubt. And You know, we've seen them have to work hard these last two weeks, and they're one and one in these last two weeks. And probably should have lost on Sunday but found a way. So we'll see if they can get back to what they're doing. All of a sudden, the Eagles' second-quarter magic that was so great, uh, you know, for the first, what, eight yeah. games uh, it has gone away. Dallas.
7: It Dallas. Dallas got her, man. Yeah, that,
1: well, yeah, that's part of it. But, I mean, they they had 127 points in the second quarter in their first uh, eight games. The last two games, they've scored zero. Uh, and and they've trailed in both games at halftime after not having trailed. And they've had to come back and scratch and claw, like Sirianni said. And uh, I expect probably more of the same against the Packers. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, even though they come in here at 4-7. Because, like you said, John, you never know when Aaron Rodgers is going to wake up uh, and, and recapture some of that magic that he had earlier in his
6: career. Uh, oh, I, I give the proper respect to one of the best of all time, but I think the Packers are dead in the water. And I know the quarterback moves the needle more than any other position and superstar quarterbacks movement than other quarterbacks. I think this is just a dead in the water team, but uh, we'll see if they can uh, rise against the Eagles come Sunday night. Eddie Kratz, always a pleasure. Thanks for jumping in. We will talk to you again next week. Uh, be careful L- late night. I think there's a chance for another McMullen incident. We could yeah. have spilling on Sunday night. So <laughs> don't hey, closing well,
1: guys, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Too
6: yeah. much. Have the Tums ready just in case. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ed Kratz here with us on Birds 365. Uh, that and John McMullen being a little under the weather. We could have another spilling incident on Sunday. Oh, night. yeah.
7: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't drink any coffee in uh, Indianapolis. I still haven't gotten back on the horse, Jody.
6: Oh, you haven't since? No. I uh,
7: haven't, uh, I haven't uh, had any coffee at any games. Now, are you
6: talking uh, 24 hours a day or just uh, in game situations? No, just in game situations. Oh, in game situations. Yeah, oh, I thought you were doing situation. without coffee whatsoever. I was going, no. what are you, nuts? No. I can get by without the caffeine. Uh, I'm going to get a caffeine refill. We still got an hour to play. Here on Birds 365, Mr. Chris Franklin from NJ.com is going to be part of hour number two. So stay right here on Birds 365.
5: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean.
10: Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why.
0: The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at Dry Tech. At Dry Tech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
6: guys, here on Birds 365 Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Hour in the books. We got an hour left to play on this eight, 410th uh, edition. Yeah, 410, baby. 410. We keep adding to it. Uh, Jay Mac, I did something when the game was over and done with it. I know you do as well. And I probably put too much analysis and effort into it, but it's what we do. Uh, the snap count. I was very interested to see how they rotated guys in and out on that defensive line, Um, because with the additions during the week and how that was going to play and how they were going to be used, um, Linval Joseph played 40% of the snaps, which you would think of as a non-outrageous number, except for the fact that he
9: showed up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
6: About 10 minutes before the game started, and they threw him in there for 40% of the snaps. Endowment can sue twenty six percent of the snaps, which is a little bit less. And I would have uh, thought that Sue had a chance to play as much, if not more, than Linval Joseph, but Joseph ended up playing more. Is that purely positional? The fact that Joseph is a quote unquote nose tackle and and yeah. he is less.
7: Yeah, in fact, Linval, as I mentioned after the game, said flat out, "It, it, it." we're expecting run, I'm going to be on the field. If we're not, I'm not going to be on the field. So um, that's going to vary from game to game. Um, Sue's more of a um, pass-rushing defensive tackle for lack of a a better term. Uh, So he's going to play more free technique, four-eye, five technique. um, And Limbaugh's going to be, you know, zero or one over the center. Um, so, yeah, they're playing different positions. And, um, and again, we talked about the, this little stretch of the schedule with Jonathan Taylor and, and Saquon Barkley coming up, and even Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Jones and A.J. And Dillon, uh, Derrick Henry, obviously. Um, Limbaugh is going to be important for those games, especially – Uh, Tennessee and and the Giants um, because they're so run dependent Tennessee it's interesting some of these teams are rounding I talked about you know Minnesota got waxed Uh, the Giants did not look well against Detroit and all of a sudden here comes the Cowboys and here comes the 49ers who were really impressive in Mexico um Tennessee as well on the AFC side, bad start, and all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill's back. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not great, but he offers that competency at the quarterback position where when Henry can get rolling, it can make it really difficult for you. Um, The old guard is starting to show up when, you know, football matters Thanksgiving time.
6: Ryan Tannehill reminds me a little bit of Kirk Cousins. He might not be able to take you all the way to the promised land, but on a week in, week out basis, he finds ways to win games for Tennessee, and you got to give him uh, that much, that much props. One other defensive line question for the Eagles. Then let's talk a little bit about the Giants faltering and the Cowboys looking as impressive as they did in the NFC East. Robert Quinn, about ten percent of the snaps. Um, I get it. That, that's what his role is supposed to be. He wasn't brought in here to become a mainstay on the defensive end. Um, he surely hasn't uh, made a big play yet since he's been acquired. Um, the way the Eagles are using him, what they think they can get out of him between now and the end of the year, what do you make of Quinn's usage with the Eagles so far? Um, Hasn't played well. So I think it would
7: would be more if he played a little bit better, to be honest. Um, You know, it's early, and we talked about this, and Robert Quinn's part of it as well, even though he was acquired via the trade market. You know, actually, he's the cheapest of the bunch because uh, Chicago pretty much is paying for him to play for the Eagles. Um, So from a salary cap standpoint, it doesn't hurt at all, but... He has not played well. He didn't play well in Chicago. And it's kind of weird because he's coming off a season where he had 18 and a half sacks. So to, to pull off that clip, but we, we talked about that when they made the deal, Jody. Um, yeah. I don't know how much is left there. Great guy, but I don't know how much is left. I haven't seen much from Robert Quinn.
6: And I haven't seen him and I'm not watching coaches tape the way the Eagles are. Just off the regular TV screen, it doesn't look like he's drawing double teams. That was our explanation. No, and- yeah, yeah, oh, double on every single play. How can you expect anybody to get? To- well, that was that was the
7: whole thing when they acquired him. Right, they knew he wouldn't see double teams here. He was seeing double teams in Chicago because they had nobody else. They have a really bad defensive line, uh, but the Eagles knew that was kind of their thought process. The Eagles knew well he's not going to see double teams here. And he hasn't, and he, but he hasn't produced. So no. that's that's a concern.
6: He's still, uh, still, still yet to uh, get break into the scoring column, so to speak. All right, uh, yeah, the rest of the NFC East: uh, two, two good performances by Eagles uh, opponents within division, and one egg laid by the New York Giants. Giants first. Um, We see a lot of Detroit this year because it started way back in August with hard knocks and uh, getting to go behind the curtain and see the Lions and their coaching staff and everything else. And then sure enough, they open up the season against the Eagles in Detroit. As per Johnny Mack, the stadium was packed. The least game with Eagles fans in the stands because the Lions fans actually bought into the hype of they could be an improved team. And they get out one and six. All right. Yeah, they they hung in with the Eagles week number one. They gave up 38 points. Uh, bad defensive team. Sorry about that. I thought my guy, Aaron Glenn, ex-Jet, the DC, was on a short leash and uh, was looking to get fired. Lions rip off three straight wins, including just shutting down Saquon Barkley this week. Saquon had 22 yards on 15 carries. The 22 yards on 15 carries for the guy who, prior to the start of the week, was leading the NFL in rushing. Giants that bad. Uh, the Detroit Lions offense defense all of a sudden that good. That was one of those games. And you couldn't watch it because the Eagles were playing at the same time. And it was on, so I flipped over only during the commercials. And the Giants' offense did nothing. They got Daniel Jones throwing it forty-four times. You never want Danny Dimes dropping forty-four times. That's a recipe for disaster. And he threw two picks. Did it finally come back to roost that the Giants? Uh, we know we're winning games, but not wowing anybody. Are are they that much lesser a team that they get run out in their own house by the Lions? I, I I mean,
7: and the same thing holds true for. Uh, Minnesota as well. I mean, sometimes you just have a bad game. So I think it it couples with, you know, I don't think they're as bad. The Giants are as bad as they looked. Um, You you have these games, and that's what we talked about when the Eagles got off to the 8-0 start. One of these games is coming. Um, Everybody has them. Now, the Giants and and Vikings look so bad, Um, and you mentioned – Daniel Jones and, you know, we all kind of wondered, you know, how are they doing it? They have no weapons. Um They traded Kadarius Toney. That didn't work. Kenny Galladay has been a disaster. That didn't work. Wondell Robinson's hurt now. He's got, Daniel Jones isn't good. And he's got nobody to throw the football to. So, you know, when the Eagles were having the, the problems stopping the run, I was talking to a personnel guy who used to work for the team and he said, Anybody can stop the run. You can stop anybody if you want to. Um put eight, nine, nine men in the box. You can stop anybody. Um, but if you do that, you leave yourself susceptible uh, to the passing game. And when you sure. have guys who can throw the football and the guys who can catch the football, well, the Giants don't. So, you know, if other teams start to pick up on this, And they're going to load the box to stop Saquon Barkley. You know, there are other teams, though, like the Eagles aren't going to do that. You know, one of the things I said last week on the show about Minnesota when I was saying um, I don't believe in them is because they play the same defensive philosophy and they don't have the players the Eagles have. Uh, They don't have the players that the Eagles have. So. You know, they get gouged and gouged and gouged and gouged gouged defensively, and somebody was going to figure it out. The Cowboys figured it out. Um, With the Giants, Saquon Barkley, and that's it. And somebody's going to figure it out. And it's surprising that the Lions – but the Lions have more talent, I've said that from day one, than people realize. Um, And all of a sudden, did you see whose practice window was open, by the way, Jody? Jamison
6: Williams. Jamison Williams. Williams. Yeah.
7: Jamison Williams. I don't know. Look, I'm not a big Jared Goff fan, but I think I don't think he's as bad as some people do. But I'm going to say this next year already, lines are going to be an issue next year in the uh,
6: NFC North because the Packers are declining. Uh, I'll I'll add to it. The Bears are going to be an issue in that division yeah. too because they, they got all off season to add a couple of defensive all right. pieces. All they've done is subtract for the last two years, Mac. And then Quinn, I know Quinn wasn't playing real well, but you give him away for absolutely nothing. Then they trade Roquan Smith. Here, take our four biggest <laughs> names on defense, and we'll try and continue to win games. Justin Fields is trying, but he can't because their defense is so brutal.
7: Yeah. And, yeah, that could be a division that totally turns on its head next year yeah. with the, oh, yeah. the bad teams being the good teams and vice versa. Um, but, yeah, that's what's most impressive about the Eagles. When the Eagles have bad games or less than stellar games, they would find ways to win. These other teams have these games where they just look awful. Um, And the Eagles, they haven't done that. Uh, They haven't done that. Even the Washington game, even the game they lost, if they eliminated some of their own mistakes as poorly as they played, they could win that game. Um, They really haven't had that one outlier game where they've looked like complete garbage. And I don't know if there's another team in the NFL. In fact, I know there's not another team in the NFL that hasn't had that week. Even Kansas City. uh, Even Buffalo.
6: I give you a guy who also looked pretty good this past weekend. um, And I know that uh, he's never going to jump out statistical wise. But the guy's got command of the football team. That's Taylor Heineke who beat the Eagles last <laughs> week and played well against the Texans, well enough against the Texans again this week. All of a sudden the commanders are above 500. This was a team that the Eagles thought they left dead and buried when they sacked Carson Wentz eight times back in week number three. They're back from the dead and over 500 with a win over the Eagles in their back pocket. Can the, can the Taylor Heineke-led commanders make the playoffs this year? Yeah, why not? Why
7: not? I mean, all of a sudden, Chase Young is back. We talked about it. it took a while. But now they're finally going to activate him. We've talked about their defensive front uh, since that first game because Nick Sirianni wouldn't stop talking about it. Um, I mean, right now, I would rather play the Giants than Washington. I mean, I think Dallas is good. I think Dallas and Eagles fans hate this. I think they are legitimately good. And I think they, right now, you know how I feel about San Francisco, but right now I would say Dallas is the second best team in the NFC. Uh, I think San Francisco will get there. Um, and I think they're getting there, but they always have the issue with the quarterback. So they're kind of hamstring from that perspective. Um yeah, I would, I would rather play the Giants than
6: Washington, uh, if yeah. you ask me. If I were the just an average team are going to get a three. chance to play the Giants twice more before the year we're, we're, we're down to only seven games left, and two of them come against the New York Giants. So we'll certainly get our chance and our fill of the New York Giants over the last two months of the season. Here's my question about Dallas. And I know they put up 40 points. So this is going to sound stupid asking this question and making this point on a week where they got uh, a 40 spot. Who's their number two wide, who's their number two receiver period behind CD lamb. Does Gallup scare you? Well, I mean, he's playing can...
7: better. He's getting healthier. Uh, I don't think he's a, a a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he was what he was previously um, when he tore the ACL. I think Noah Brown is competent. Um, But, yeah, it's not like it was um, when Amari Cooper was there. Uh, So they go about it a different way. You know, you saw what they did with Tony Pollard in the passing game. We talked about getting the football to the running backs. Um, They do it a different way. They're not as explosive as they were when Amari Cooper was there. Um, But they're good. And it's really the the defense. I mean, the defense, they have the best pass rushing football, in case anyone didn't realize that. And they didn't let Kirk Cousins breathe. And we knew, everybody knows about Micah Parsons, but everybody else, and a lot of it has to do with Micah Parsons, because um, Dan Quinn has done a tremendous job. Like, they move him all over. And... It, it seems like common sense, but not a lot of teams do that. So, you know, they'll figure out who the weakness is on the the opposition offensive line. And they tell Micah Parsons, go there, go rush there. And people can't block that kid, man. He is unbelievable.
6: I told you this, uh, shoot, what, about six or seven weeks ago, somewhere thereabouts, and you said uh... – I'll take my $5 and go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a coffee and a cruller a or whatever. I, I threw $5 on uh, Michael Parsons to win the MVP. Knowing full well that defensive players don't win the MVP, period. It's a quarterback league, blah, blah, blah. He was 500 to 1 to win the MVP, 500 to 1. And, oh, by the way, he's going to finish in the top 10 in voting. Mark this down right now. I'm not going to win, so I'm going to lose the $5. And you're right. You're going to get more use out of your $5 in Dunkin' Donuts than I am going to on my Bet Parks account for having bet him to uh, win the MVP. He was 500 to 1 to win the MVP. It was just too big a value for me to pass up on. He's he's that good. He th- There aren't too many defensive guys who move the needle the way that he does, and he's doing so right now. And, yeah, the Cowboys – look like a team that are going to grab a lot of attention here in the last seven weeks. Of yeah. the season. Um You know that I think the
7: Eagles have, uh, I think the Eagles are a better team. I think it's especially if the Eagles get healthy and, you know, as I mentioned, and Dallas is back and Avante's back and Jordan Davis is back. I think the Eagles, if that comes to fruition and they don't suffer any more injuries, obviously the Eagles are the best team. They're the best team um but in the nfc i would put dallas number two and i think right now the biggest concerns for the eagles and the nfc should be the dallas cowboys and
6: the san francisco 49ers yeah, the 49ers looked good last night i watched some of that thursday night yeah. game uh oh, now, they're they're gonna be Ar- arizona is a team that's coming apart at the seams if yeah. they don't have their quarterback, they don't have much of anything. So I expected San Francisco to win handily. They just flat out blew, them out blew them out, and their offense was clicking. Yeah, your guy, Jimmy G, was running a pretty good ship last night. All of a sudden, yeah. he's got some weapons between Kittle and Debo and Iuke and now add McCaffrey to that mix. He's got weapons. You're right, that San Francisco team and that is- was my
7: Imagine if they had a quarterback that could take advantage of those weapons consistently, how good that team would be. With Debo Samuel back uh, and healthy, he had the big run for the touchdown. Christian McCoy, I mean, they just – George Kittle had a big touchdown. They're unbelievable from a talent perspective. Trent Williams is healthy again and killing people. Uh, their defense is good. That San Francisco team, I don't care who you put, the Minnesotas, the Giants, the all those other – pretend contenders whoever gets that matchup they're going to get waxed in the playoffs they're going to get waxed uh, by the san francisco 49ers
6: and since they're a divisional team they got a chance to be a host in that first game they got to go to minnesota depends on you know, minnesota looked terrible this week but um a, a road game could be tricky but uh, San Francisco looked awfully impressive last night. All right, John McBone, Jody McDonald, Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Chris Franklin from NJ.com going to jump on in. Uh, we'll certainly do Birds both looking back at the game from this past weekend and start to look ahead because of a short week, Thanksgiving week here on Birds 365. We're only going to be on tomorrow, uh, so we'll do the combo interview with Chris Franklin. Looking back, looking ahead. Here on Birds365.
8: Don't wait until after Thanksgiving for leftovers. It's the new leftover sales event at Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Jeff must get rid of hundreds of new 2022 vehicles on the lot. Rams, Grand Cherokees, Wranglers, Jeff has them all for less. Jeff has reduced prices and payments to the lowest they've been all year. And Jeff knocks down high interest rates, save thousands more than anywhere else. Plus, get more for any trade or lease return. You always win at Jeff's great selection, best price. Hurry in now. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Black Friday sales event.
5: University, our graduates are among the most highly trained in their profession because of our unique emphasis on research, interprofessional collaboration, and early clinical exposure. Learn more about our programs at salus.edu.
6: Got your Mega Mac guys, McLean and McDonald here with you on Birds 365, and we got indoors Chris Franklin. No, no, yeah. no screened in porch. He's got a mirror going, he's got a mock <laughs> turtleneck on. Damn, you're looking good. Franklin, what do you got? A date or something today?
4: Actually, I do later on. I after I get everything done later on. So that's the only reason why I'm looking all dressed up right now. Nice. But yeah.
7: Good for yeah. <laughs> it's that time of year, man. Happy Thanksgiving uh Happy- in
6: advance, Chris.
4: Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I'm thankful for a lot. Get to talk to you guys, get to talk to the
6: Eagles, get to cover this Eagles team. It's it's fun. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You got no thank you for uh, jumping in with us. All right. You got to cover Nick Sirianni on a day in, day out basis. Rather emotional this week, uh, both after the game, getting up on the bench, uh, high five in Eagle fans, pumping his fist to Eagle fans. And then when he uh, talked to you guys after the game, he was pretty damn emotional. Good thing bad thing, kind of irrelevant thing? What do you think about the Eagles' emotional head coach? How much emotion plays into him coaching this football team?
4: I have no problem with it when it goes to surrounding on the outside stuff. When it starts to affect his decision-making and his play calls, that's where I start to have a Do little, you think little, it did something. on
6: Sunday? Do you think I, his emotion factored into the play calling on Sunday?
4: I thought I thought toward the... I, I know he explained that whole fourth game. I think it did a little bit. I think some of the play calls did a little bit. They like they when they did try deep. I think they try was trying to go push it a little bit more. But I, I thought I think he really wanted to. I think he really wanted to stick it to the Colts because he wanted he, he messed with his friends. And I think and because so, some of those that didn't look like a Nick Sirianni game in that sense of the fact that you know you usually see them you see them even killed. You see some of the decision making, but some of them go off, and I think that had something to do with it overall.
7: Yeah, I I thought he was pressing uh, a bit as well, Chris, in that there were some strange decisions, though. Coming out of the two-minute warning, trying to draw him off sides, call him timeout again. Um, Boston Scott as the closer, uh, late in the game. He doesn't play much in the game, and then all, all of a sudden, he's on the field running it three consecutive times. I don't know. I sense that pressing. Uh, and, and maybe it was in Indianapolis. Did you get that same feeling, or is it just making maybe not the best decisions in the moment?
4: I think the Boston, when I look back at that Boston Scott thing, only, the only thing I could think of, and I, or I wish i was asked him more now, but maybe I'll later on today. But the only thing I could think of is that they wanted somebody to go more north south and just attack the hole instead of potentially going back. And that's not to say Miles has done a lot better this year. Instead of trying to go yeah. sideline to sideline, that one too is hitting the hole better. The only re- thing I can think of is okay, they wanted Boston to just go okay one foot plant and go. That's the only thing. If not, I don't know what he's thinking there. I mean, Boston was making the right decisions for the most part all day. I mean, he got you to that pass interference penalty that got you down in position to score a winning, winning touchdown. So, I wonder a little bit more, but it's, it's it, it it really did not seem I, and I. You know, lean, yeah, because it did not seem like – he didn't seem like himself that he normally did. We've seen the rest of the season so far. All
6: right. Uh, Jalen Hurts came up huge in the fourth quarter. Nobody's going to argue that. Game uh, saving, touchdown pass. The Watkins keeps him in the game perfectly thrown right on time. And then uh, his ability to run the football in that final drive, including the touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, I want to give Jalen Hurts all the credit in the world because he did. He saved the Eagles' bacon he's also the quarterback for the first three quarters where they scored three points. He like everyone else on this football team was up and down on Sunday. It's just, his up came at the perfect time. So it's what everybody's going to remember. How come the Eagles offense did next to nothing for three quarters? It
4: looked like they, they were out of sorts. It, 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 it looked like it was like a bizarre world offense in a way that the stuff that they were doing successfully all year, they weren't doing as much. And I thought they didn't establish a run like they normally do. Whatever. Whenever you really have Sanders and Gainwell, it's got all go, man. Sanders and Gainwell lately, but yeah, those guys going, everything else flows. And, and they really had AJ Brown early on. He seemed like to be the guy that was really open, that was open and, and gaining chunk yards at the time, and then they just seemed like they went away. So I look at this as a play. I think if you ask Shane, Shane probably would say that, hey, you know what, this wasn't his best game calling play calling. I look at when I look at Jalen Hurts, I thought. For me, I thought he did all right. I, I, I didn't have any problem even those first three quarters. I, it's, that all the one, and I'm, and I'm shocked. I'm saying it's the one unit that I thought did not do well and didn't have its best game at all was the offensive line for the most part. Yeah, you they got the he left did. side. So, that left that line was, who they, they they were getting beat. They were getting pressure on the run, and then they were getting pressure on the backside of the rush. So it, it, it was weird. It was, it's just it, we were in a bizarre world in Indianapolis. It was crazy. <laughs>
7: Um it it certainly was uneven, Chris. No doubt about that. It was a little kind of ugly, uh, was herky jerky, whatever term you want to use. How much of that had to do with Dallas Goddard? I mean, they talked about it's going to take a village, blah, blah, blah. Well, they took a village. I mean, we had more Grant Stol uh, Grant Calcaterra. Jack Stoll, obviously, uh, Tyree Jackson, Austin Scott, Kenny Gainwell, Wes Watkins, Warren Ball, Zach Pascal. That's a village. They didn't make <laughs> one Dallas Goddard though. Chris Franklin.
4: Yeah, because when you look at the way he command he commands the middle of the field, I mean, you have to respect him when he runs those post routes, when he runs those hitches in that in that zone area in the middle of the field. Because it then it gives you gives Smith and it gives Brown some out, out, room on the outside to operate. And when you don't have that, then it goes like, oh well, we can kind of shade one safety over Brown, one safety over Goddard, and then <laughs> finds him some other way to do that. And I think you're really starting to see his impact, the the impact that he has on this offense. And what? Well, listen, we, I, I know people talk, about, oh well, he runs, he gets so many yards to catch because he gets the screens and everything else. Well, you still got to respect that. You still have to account for where he is on the field. And when you have one less weapon in the caliber that you have a guy who's in my opinion a top three tight end this year in, in the league you need to find a way to to do that you just can't like you could try all the different things you could do that I saw Zach pa- one thing that I really was surprised with was that Zach Pascal I don't know if it's because he was back in Indianapolis and they wanted to get him more run but I thought it was very interesting to see that he got a lot more t- playing time and at times more Quez than when we saw Quez make that play later on but it's tough to replace Dallas Goddard
6: All right, Chris, I'm going to jump back over to the defense because uh, I'm being honest. I said yesterday here on the show, I said earlier today, I was absolutely nervous after the first possession. The Colts went right down the field. Jonathan Taylor, slice and dice, one good passing play. But other than that, the uh, Colts did what the two previous teams had done to the Eagles, and that's dominate them with the run. Uh, Pierce didn't – uh game against the texans even though the texans uh n- i never thought they're going to win the game but they did rip the eagles up on the ground and sure enough the commanders made it work and uh, got a ton of third down conversion to beat them and i thought same thing happening again oh th- this could be trouble and then after that first possession the eagles defense just stymied them and shut them down in basically all aspects yeah they kicked a couple of field goals and thank god Field goal kicker missed that 50 yard, or otherwise, could have been a different outcome on Sunday. But the defense really did turn on a dime. Why do you think that was? Before,
4: before I get to that, John, I, I'll, give, I'll give John credit. John called right before that field goal. He missed it. He said he's going to miss it. We're like, no, he's not for it. And John called it. He, he said he's going to miss it in the episode. Good job, so, oh, J-Mac. <laughs> he, <put laughs> he
7: put the gibosh on him, huh? <laughs> well, uh, and Chase McLaughlin, he's not a 50 yard guy. Like, there's guys who can really. Jerk jacket up these days from 50 50 plus. He got one, I knew he wasn't getting two. Uh, <laughs> I knew he wasn't getting two. He's not that yeah. strong legged. Brett Mauer had 260 yarders. Oh, back or to back, he made 260s, yeah, 260s, yeah, yeah. So he's not that guy. So, <laughs> yeah,
6: that was my thought process behind that.
4: Gotcha, but yeah, no, but, what...
6: Uh, yeah. What do you think changed the Eagles' defense to going from being? Just sliced and diced to uh, being able to shut down the Colts run game thereafter. Uh, Chris, what do you attribute it to? Uh,
4: there's two factors I attributed to. The first one is that's what you saw when you have a guy who's calling plays in the NFL for a second for a second game. Uh, I'm when the Colts. His name escapes me right now off the top of my head because I'm
6: yeah, I know. Oh, really, you, you're leaving it on the Colts play callers doorstep, huh? Yeah.
4: I really thought that if they went down and started running the ball more on that second drive, they probably would have scored. And we're talking about a whole different game. And I think this – it leads to a much bigger uh, – a much bigger I deficit know. on the Colts because you just – because he – the Colts established that run methodically, averaging seven yards a carry on that. And then the next series, you start pass, pass, pass. Like, I know there's a script, I know you they didn't use their 15 plays on their script. But you don't just deviate. That was when you see something running, you just stick with it. So I thought that has something to do with it. Because and then since they didn't do that, that gave the Eagles enough time to change things. But by uh, then, by then they were able to keep it closer. Because I think if they were down fourteen nothing, and the Eagles, that just changed the complexity. The Eagles have to throw, I think, to throw them a lot more, and then that puts the Colts in the past. But is to make a story short, that I think that was part of it. And then I think you see these two new additions. When you look at Linval Joseph, you look at Dominic yeah. Sue. What they did, uh, they played well and it makes you question like what was going on beforehand. I mean, you see the difference now. It was obviously there's Marlon Tui and then there's Joseph and Sue. And it was especially these last couple weeks, it was actually refreshing seeing them those guys win the line of scrimmage and win at the point attacking and actually get some push or neutralize the the offensive line push in the middle of the field because there's so many times you saw like you saw Tui like he was on skates, he was like one of those blocking sleds where he's getting pushed back and it's like two, three yards and then that gave enough space for running backs to go. So those were, the, I think were the, that the def- I'll even include the whole defense block. I thought they played absolutely well. That's in and, the and linebackers too. So I thought they all played well when it came in that aspect of it. And that's one reason why I think they, uh, that defense has success.
7: Parks Frazier, by the way, is thank the you. Colts play caller. Um, <laughs> but I want to give credit, which is an indictable offense in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give credit to Jonathan Gannon because I think – I was telling Jody, I think he made a mistake on that first drive and he he adjusted. If you go back to that first drive, Chris, Lindball was on on the field. And I don't think Lindball owns a pair of skates. He's really difficult to put on (laughs) skates. And they stopped Johnson. There was like three yards on the first play. It was like one yard on the second play. It was a little pass. And then – Uh, Josiah Scott got beat on the third down They called the blitz TJ was loose But Josiah Scott couldn't handle um, the back end They had the big uh, uh, gash play I think it was 24 yards And then they went to the four-man front And all of a sudden here comes Taylor 28 yards, 9 yards Gash, gash, gash I think he made a mistake And he adjusted Put Linbaugh in there And that's where I want to go with you how good was Linval Joseph in that
4: game? Oh my goodness. I, the, the, he set the tone that first when when you saw that first tackle, he got in there and he, he was in on there. I was like, All right, well, uh, maybe maybe he was a little maybe he was a little excited and then he wanted to that was play like all right, class one. But the way you saw him consistently get in there and and force the Colts to put two guys on him or, or chip him on along the way when they're doing his own block, he did extremely well and, and it shocked me, especially for a guy who hasn't played all season. I mean, I know he's got, he definitely had fresh legs. We know that he's sitting around being cooled up. But the fact that he was able to command and do what Jordan Davis was able to do as well, too, I thought that went a long way to what, what the Eagles were able to do. And you're right. When it came to, I not understand. Cause when you look at the Colts' offense, the, the, Jonathan Taylor is their offense. I mean, you know, you have Pierce, you know, you have Pittman and all that stuff. But I, they don't, those guys don't scare me when you look at when it comes to terms of stopping stop them on defense. If you stop the Colts run, you stop their whole entire offense. It's ball game, and I'm I'm shocked they went to those. Unless it's an obvious passing down, the fact that they went to like six man boxes and, and six man boxes, and sometimes five. I'm like, no, it's open. So the credit does go to Jonathan Gannon on that to 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 to, to use more of that five man line, five man line one, and, and box them up there because, but Joseph, he he makes making Gannon look good. He mean, Allie Roseman look good as well too.
6: Even got a uh, split sack with and uh, And yeah, How about said, that for the Hollywood ending? They both, yeah. did, uh, they both share a sack. A share a sack oh. was pretty cool, even though John said, Linball said to him after the game, oh, I'll be in on running downs, passing downs. I'll be standing over here on the sideline. but I'll be in on all those running downs. Hey, sure enough, he got a sack. It uh, had to be a passing down to come up with a sack. All right, so Howie Roseman getting the job done again. Goes out, adds two guys with really impressive, lengthy resumes, older guys, maybe not as good as they once were, but still ready to step in and play with only a handful of minutes of practice under their belt. Um, Is Howie Roseman getting the proper due for how he's handled this roster from the end of last season to where we sit right now with the Eagles at 9-1? and
4: I really do, and I really think when it's all said and done, when all the postseason awards come out, I think he's going to be named executive of the year. (laughs) Because when you look at what the way the roster was, just even just look if you look at the defense by itself, what it was when it ended last season to have guys like well, well, even I'll even go to the start of the last season to 2021 season when you have Eric Wilson, you have Alex Singleton, Rodney McLeod, and all these guys, and, and you look at what they are now and you have. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, one of the best takeaway guys in, in the league. You have these defensive tackles now. You drafted Jordan Davis. You maneuvered up to get him. You made a trade to get A.J. Brown, which affected your offense and changed so many ways. You look at all these different moves that he's made. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you still have a first-round pick next year, too, that you made from one of the trades you did last year, too, during that. So when you look at it all together, to me, I think – the league recognizes it. You're starting to hear more and more. I think, it's like we, if you listen to like the pregame shows or, or some of those national things, I think nationally they really see it. And I seriously, I would not be surprised if he's he's named the executive uh, executive of the year.
7: Yeah, I I mentioned before. I want to run this by you, Chris. Um, uh, I think Howie may have created a new market in the NFL if this works with Lindball, Joseph, and and Dominic and Sue. And by that, I mean. You know, Lindvall's 34, uh, Dominican's 35. They've made a, a ton of money uh, in their careers. A ton of success. They don't want to play for a and they certainly don't want to play for 17 games for a bad team. Um, so they sat at home. They waited. Uh, they could ring Chase. They made a decent amount. A money they can if they reach their incentives. If this works, I think we're going to see this year after year after year with veteran players waiting to say mid season and then pick and choose and go ring chasing. Am I overreacting or you see that uh, as a potential down the road?
4: They followed the Roger Clemens plan. When Roger Clemens was later in his career, they just wanted to go ahead and just go, Hey, you know yeah. what? I'm going to sit and wait. And then that it works. And then when you look at the ins- the incentives because that you do a it helps you out because you got the pro-rated contracts, which I know a lot of uh, a a lot of general managers will like. It's a matter of making sure you have the cap space to be able to do those moves. Because think about the Giants in those couple of years where they don't they didn't have, they had to basically extend guys and, <laughs> guys and uh, and restructure contract just to be able to operate in case you need to bring somebody on in case something happened. And so a I think it's good if especially if you have a team that has a general manager who knows how to manage the cap or at least have. Say like six, seven, maybe nine million dollars to maneuver that you can whatever left over you can roll over, but still you still have some moves to do, and then to find the guys that have a talented team to do that, and then like hey, you know what? All those incentives they they can still make a lot of money with all those incentives yeah. that they have when it comes yeah. to playing time. So it's a it's a it's a good idea, and and you look at the way it goes like if I, if I'm if I'm on Odell, and, and that's the biggest piece that I think is still out there. When you look at Odell Beckham Jr., I'm like. I want to deal like that, but probably just want to say, I want more money than they make it right now, but I want to deal like that where I can get like the catch thing, the catches and everything else. So it's, it, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it did. And they they can all thank Roger Clemens for
6: that. As Chris mentioned, the Eagles have two first-round draft picks this year. Number 32 overall, because that would be their own pick. They got the best record in the NFL. Saints got a win this week, so they, they, they're they down to number 10. I think it's got its highest number four overall at one point. I mm-hmm. uh, track that every single week. Um, but uh, they'll make good use of those two first-round picks. All right, uh, we've got a game on Sunday night, certainly a game I had circled before the year started. Packers coming to town, Aaron Rodgers, Sunday night football, show on in Philadelphia. Packers are averaging like 18 points a game. Their offense just isn't what it was supposed to be. We can point the finger of guilt all (coughs) over the place. Coaching staff, Rodgers himself, offensive line, didn't replace Devontae Adams. Should we be worried about the Green Bay Packers offense coming into Philadelphia on Sunday night, Chris Franklin?
4: I think so, because I think you have a quarter... The one thing with Rodgers, and if it's, if it was a Rodgers, if it was somebody else, I'm like, all right, this game, that. The one thing that Rodgers does well is he can get the ball out of his hand quickly. When he sees something like, and there's a pass, he'll get the ball quickly. The Eagles had trouble with that last year, granted it's different roster, different situations, but... That's the type of quarterback that I think, that can beat this defense. Get the ball one, two, three, and get it to go the, thing, the Problem is he doesn't have the receivers. <laughs> like without yeah. Alan Lazard. It's like and Christian, although Christian Watson is starting to get better as, as he gets more experience. Things. Yeah.
2: yeah. You
4: so you can't good. you can't completely discount him. Ah, they got this. This is gonna be this be easy. And people will be able to turn the TV off by like 10 30. No, I don't think so. I actually think it's gonna be really, really close. I really do. Yeah. And, it's going to be enough. And he still so got Jones as a running back, too, who still is very viable and still physical, too. So you're going to need that defensive line to duplicate the success they had against Jonathan Taylor. So I still worry about that. All I still truly worry about this offense. I think it could be the game is decided by only one
2: score. I really do. All
7: right, uh, Chris, current NFL defensive rankings. Eagles, number two yeah. overall. Burst in takeaways, burst in interceptions, burst in yards per play allowed, uh, first in uh, drives ending in a turnover, third in drives ending in an offensive score. Yet yeah, we got a bad defensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is is context lost in Philadelphia? As you know, opposed to the rest of the
4: league and how they play defense. You know, I, I was trying to find a way, to, like like a good metaphor, or a good way to compare it. It's almost like, I think I think it's one of those things where people are like, it's not the blitzing old style, old school style of defense that a lot yeah. of people have seen. You know, they don't yeah. rush, uh, they don't blitz a lot, so it's like it's not the attack. You're, you're not looking like, like Wink Martindale, or you're not looking at, at the old Jim Johnson mm-hmm. thing. So it, it must not be doing that and. Listen. All this team needs. Look at the Super Bowl years. It's, it's, I think it's better. It's definitely better than the Jim Schwartz era. So that's all you all you need to do is basically stop. The main basis is to stop teams from scoring. That's what. That's the main thing you want your defense to. do. And they've done and, that. And, when and, and by scoring. the
7: way, Chris, that third play of the game, Eagles fans got what they wanted. They got yeah. The blitz. <laughs> D J Edwards. By the way, good blitz. Greatly. It was great design. He's loose. He's bearing down on the quarterback. Bang, veteran quarterback sees the blitz, throws right behind it. Josiah Scott can't keep up. 24, 26, whatever it was. Does anybody not notice those plays when the blitz doesn't work?
4: No, no, it does it, ha- it has to be effective. It has to be an all-out blitz. It has to be Zero call. It basically zero it has to be a zero blitz, or doesn't it, it doesn't count. That's like it seems like it, it happens all the time. By the way, TJ was one of the most underrated play people oh that
7: the team. most
6: underrated. Jody T.J. knows. I've been on
7: that train. To <laughs> my own horn, I
1: he said played, like, TJ.
6: He played real well this past week again. Yeah, he didn't get there on that blitz. That wasn't his fault, and he was uh, major reason why they turned around, stopped the run after that first drive. All right, Mister Franklin, I need your opinion on this. John and I have discussed it before. Pretty sure we've never discussed it with you. Eagles going all black uniform on Sunday versus the Packers. Your thoughts?
4: I like it. it to me, it's clean. uh When it comes to the black, tree, it, well, obviously you know, <laughs> it's cool. But yeah, <laughs> I like it. I, I like the local. I like the helmets. I mean, even if it's for one year, it go, why not? You can you can get things behind it, have a blackout, get probably get people to wear all black and <laughs> things. From a marketing standpoint, it's, it's smart. When I look at the just the overall, like, hey, if you have a third helmet and you can't get the Kelly Green ones until next year, why not? They, the teams like that. I'm shocked they haven't gone more white pants, uh, white, white on black, the uh, or green yeah. on black, the ones that they had success with last year, that uh, the ones that Jalen Hurts was really pushing for, and, and they were doing well with it. So I, I like the look. I think I, I want to see – I, I'm not sure. I don't know how many guys are superstitious. Where say, "Oh, this is not my normal helmet." What's going on here? I don't know how many guys you have like that
2: on a team, but overall, I give, I I give I,
7: Jody knows how I feel about this. I give Ruben Frank credit for this because I'm with Ruben. It, Indianapolis. Ask me what the Eagles wore in Indianapolis. I can't tell you. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I have no stinking idea. Five minutes after the game is over, mm. I won't be able to tell you what they were wearing against the Green Bay Packers. I i, oh. I yeah. I mean if they she, win
6: it'll look good. If they lose it'll look pretty pretty I, uh, bad. For the she most part, the colors <laughs> for the most part I'm with both Rube and John. I think much to do is made of the uniform and I care much more about what the players do within that uniform and the outcome of the game. Than the uniform that it's play, played in, but I get it, it's marketing, it's sales, it's uh, merch, it's what uh, everybody gets all excited by in a holiday season. Oh, gotta buy the newest, oh, thing. yeah. And, and awesome. be, I, I, uh, maybe I'm just naive, but I kind of care about the football stuff more than the uniform stuff,
4: and it could be a little recruitment tool too. Because how many guys say that they like black and wait till next year to Kelly Green? I mean, people even opposing players go like Kelly Green's like, guys. They get a chance to go with Kelly Green if they're between two.
6: You're as nuts as he hey. is. Money, <laughs> it doesn't matter the colors, the championship. No, 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 no. Who pays Even the money? most money? Who's going to give them the most guaranteed money? Yes. That's the greatest recruiting pool of all time. More than colors, more than buddies, yeah. more than pals, more than championships. Who's putting the, I think, thing. the only color I, that matters is green. And we're not yeah. talking Kelly. We're talking <laughs> dollars and cents there, big guy.
7: Yeah. Remember all of a sudden, remember Deshaun Watson, uh, Miami, Miami, Miami. I want to play in Miami. And then all of a sudden, eh, I'll go to Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah,
2: yeah, guaranteed. That's what guaranteed, saying. yeah.
6: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it must be those throwback Browns uniforms yeah. that is the reason. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. that,
6: for that scary elf in the middle of the field. <laughs> scary million. elf. Yeah, that's probably. Brownie the,
4: the elf is hey, that. Brownie oh the gosh. elf. Yeah. I'm waiting for the Chucky Brownie collaboration movie coming out pretty soon. That thing's just weird.
6: Uh, you, know, you got the your Sean, own you got Sean. Got this the last week. The Sean is on the sidelines. He could be back.
4: Uh, I'll tell you time.
6: real quick. Speaking of Brownie the
7: elf. I don't know what the Colts uh, mascot is nicknamed, but I'm going to say this. Say what you want about the Colts. They do the best job of any NFL team I've ever seen during the breaks. They always got something going on, some kind of contest. Really? The cameramen are great. They got every pretty girl lined up at Lucas Oil Field. They're phenomenal. Um, Yeah, they do a great job in between the breaks. Yeah, so he just got to get all
4: Marriage proposals, on that. people throwing yeah. footballs everywhere. I forgot the
7: marriage proposal. Yeah,
4: it was, it was like everything was going like
7: what is going? What people is going throwing on footballs from the second deck. That was impressive.
4: Yeah. <laughs> blimp going down. You see like yeah. an operation airdrop, like an airdrop. Yeah. Stuff goes like what is this going it was tremendous. on? Tremendous.
7: I give I give him credit for that.
6: <laughs> Jim RC, well done. You can't
7: hire a coach.
6: But Did they drop well uh, Jeff Saturday from a blimp? No, they just. I bet some probably of the people did. That I it. Probably missed did they dropped <laughs> Frank Wright from a blimp? Yeah, we okay. missed that. He's idea. still
4: commercials out there. He. I was watching it. I was typing up the story Sunday night, and there's a thing at the Indiana University have a commercial where he's still shown on there. Like Frank's that's how of it. Yeah, I, I got. Maybe I got to tweet that out, but yeah, he still has that commercial. And I'm like, um, this is kind of awkward, guys. Kind of me one of if, he, if he's
7: coaching another team and they still have his billboard on I ninety five, then. Uh, Whatever high it is, Dick Vermeule was coaching other teams. They never took his billboard down yeah. here in Philadelphia.
6: Well, uh, And he might not be officially coaching, but we all believe he gave Nick Sirianni some pretty good insight oh, the yeah. thoughts before the game. Yeah. And he didn't help, he gave it to him. Him. The <laughs> offense was shaky. Just Chris Franklin, uh, oh. last question for me. And uh, hopefully you have a great Thanksgiving and a great Thanksgiving dinner. When you're watching football on Thursday, what's the one thing that must be on Chris Franklin's plate to make it a true Thanksgiving football Thursday?
4: See I'm in trouble if I get to say the one thing I'm in trouble internally here. Uh, I probably have to go the stuffing the stuffing has to be mom stuffing is extremely, extremely good. But there's a close second. I'll, I'll sneak in a close second. There's apples, apples and yams. But the two of them, I know it's not like that one, but it's, it's like almost like a dessert apples on a plate. Apples it's real You hear it? It's really good because you get, like, the cinnamon. You get the nutmeg on it. You mix it. It's, it's really sweet. And then when it touches that baked macaroni and cheese at the same time, there's just something about that. It's, you're sitting there like, you know what? I'm thankful for being alive because you taste it right in your mouth. It's just with that mac stuff at all is perfect.
6: I like it's some perfect. mac and cheese, but you're scaring me with uh, yeah, oh, yams. I might have,
4: I have to, to get, some get some for you guys. It's, it's really good, it really is good. It, it truly is good. Not as, get good uh,
7: not as good as Chris Franklin, uh, nj.com. C. Franklin <laughs> News does a tremendous job covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Check them out there, check him out here on birds 365. He's kind enough to. To break it down all with us, yeah. Happy holidays, uh, Chris. Um, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm not going to see you. I can today. Hear you. I'll be, yeah, I'll be yeah. back tomorrow. That, Get that better, man. Plane, plane, yeah, that plane flight got me, okay. but I'll, I'll bounce back.
4: Yeah, we'll put you day to day. We won't put you IR. We think that you'll be able yeah. to uh, do your thing, and uh, we'll have that. But seriously, thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody watching, and appreciate it.
6: Happy Thanksgiving to you. That's Chris Frank on here with us on Birds. 365 all right coming back johnny mac johnny mac we got to put a bow on the show stay with us
5: go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
10: Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business this month celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models visit us and see why
0: the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
6: This Tuesday get together, are you telling us you're not going to be there for Happy Tuesday, everybody today? You're gonna do the medication, uh, get yourself some rest, get over this. Yeah. Cold thing? well, together? I don't want to get,
7: uh, I don't get, uh, I don't want to get everybody else sick. So um, I'm gonna take a test. You know, these days you have to take a test to make yeah. sure. Um, so I'm gonna take a test and see what's what. Uh, but. I've avoided the big C so far, not the the big, big C, but the little C. Um, you never got COVID? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Um, I took all those tests. I never tested positive. So, um, yeah. So, I don't want to get yes. everybody else sick. It's a new world, Johnny.
6: Yours truly got it. It was earlier this year. I think we had two, t- whatever, uh, and I missed one show. I did. I know I had it, and I did one show here and fought through it like a tough guy, the way you have today. And then I missed the following day, but uh, yeah, I was back by the day after, and close enough. Yeah. hundred. I,
7: I don't feel that bad, but I, I don't. It's more about getting other people sick. I don't want to get other people sick.
6: You're a good man, McMullen. All right, before we go, uh, I got to ask you a trivia question. The last time the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Green Bay Packers in Philadelphia was when? Philadelphia
7: Eagles beat Green Bay Packers in Philadelphia. I don't know. I haven't checked it. I haven't
6: done my research. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I caught you a little under the weather. Yeah. Would it surprise you if I told you it's been 16 years? Now, they don't play. Isn't the Cowboys? No, they don't, the yeah, they don't play other? there
7: that much. It never they, surprises me. Obviously, they beat them out in Green Bay. That was the Doug Peterson game that arguably – um, started the disconnect between Doug Peterson. Yeah, can we, and can the we throw office. the ball more, even yeah. though
6: we just upset a favorite Green Bay Packers? Yeah. Squad?
7: yeah. Uh, but they don't play here that often. So no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, 16 years, is a pretty long time though. Yeah. Well, Packers have also been pretty good over that for the most part, really good over that time frame as well. So, you, you know, know, the Packers have had quite a run, uh, through Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So they're not used to what they're going through this year. Um, different team. Eagles will be a heavy favorite. Uh, but we'll see. I I think things are going to be difficult for the Eagles against everybody because they're, they're not as explosive right now without Dallas Goddard. Um, and, you know, it's probably going to be nip and tuck in most of these games until they can get – a little healthier.
6: So you know the exact numbers. Aaron Rodgers in Philadelphia in his career, 3-0. He's not lost, yeah. but he's oh. only had three games. So it's 16 years, that seems like a big number. But again, they don't play Green Bay every year. And they sure as I don't play Green Bay in Philadelphia every year. But he is 3-0, and undefeated against the Eagles. But he might be coming in with the least – uh, talented squad that Aaron Rodgers has ever played for. Uh, we will be back here again tomorrow to talk about it. Can you even do Zoom, or do you have to be there live to do Happy Tuesday? No, nah, you got to be there live. So oh, I'll you're screwed. Be, All right. Yeah, uh, I'll just be <laughs> there watching uh, from the sidelines. Exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, J-Mac, get better. Have some chicken soup, whatever you got to do to get uh, feeling a little bit better. I say we do this again tomorrow. You up for it?
7: Let's do it day-to-day, but let's do it.
6: He's day-to-day. He's a tough guy. He'll be back with me tomorrow on Birds 365 in 2 and 2.
3: You've been listening to Birds 365.